0: Matt Beret here with the Tom J. Krieger team. This episode, we are talking, if I sell, where will I go? Let's get into it. So, this episode, we are talking about, if I sell, Where will I go? Now, I get this question. I'm sure you do. Absolutely. A lot. You know, people want to sell their home, but there's a fear of if I sell it, you know, do you provide the cardboard box that I'm going to live in while I buy my next house? So there's a lot to, there's a lot of moving parts, um, especially with a low inventory market. So one of the things that we've talked about and and you've actually done uh, last week or the week before was actually renting back your own home. Mm -hmm. Um, you probably won't see this happen a lot unless you're in a low inventory market like we're in but essentially you are going to sell your home and then write into the agreement that once you've sold it you rent it back for a period of time three months six months nine months whatever it is you could have a i want to rent it back for six months but truly, and you know, what we believe is in the next 30 to 60, 90 days, you'll have found a home for you to move into. So it is something you can do. A lot of sellers don't realize this. They think that it's a clear cut. You know, once I agree to sell it and that date comes, then I gotta be out. Well, you can actually stay there too, you know, and it, it is an option to do. It takes you from being the owner of the home to the tenant of the home. Um it's something you've gotta negotiate. And I also think as well in the marketplace we're in, and your opinion obviously, is we're seeing a lot of first time home buyers. Yeah. They're coming from renting or living with parents or wherever they've come from. Them, they may have their own lease. They may be renting an apartment where they've got a three to four month lease left, but they wanna capitalize on buying now with low rates. The seller may not have anywhere to go, so it may be beneficial for both parties if the seller can rent that house back for three to four months. The buyer then doesn't have to pay an entire month's worth of rental to break his lease or break their lease. So it actually may work for both parties. So I think it's really important to have clear communication with the buying agent and the selling agent of what makes this work for everybody. what does your buyer need? What does your seller need? And as a listing agent, and as a listing agent, we made it quite clear that 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 seller needed to rent back for X amount of time, and that buyer wrote a contract acknowledging that to basically give your seller what she wanted, and she got it right. Yeah. So renting back can happen. It isn't difficult. You just got to make it very clear cut, and and you've done. You've seen renting back hundreds of times over the years. For me, within four years of real estate, this is kind of new for me because we've never needed it. We've had a lot of houses out there. So what's, what's something that is a pitfall that you could get into with renting back that you've got to be really clear of and understand so you don't get yourself into trouble?
1: So some of the pitfalls we really need to take care of, Matt, is we need to make sure that the new buyer, who is now the landlord, Mm -hmm. doesn't fall into any discrimination type of troubles, okay? So if that landlord maybe has another rental property, okay, we have to make sure that this lease is similar to the other lease. So we don't want any discrimination whatsoever, and a real well-seasoned agent will be able to put that together. So that's one of the pitfalls. The second pitfall is you got to make sure that... um, They have uh, security deposits, okay? And you want to make sure that as a tenant, you want to have insurance policy. If they have dogs, you definitely want at the minimum a $100,000 liability insurance policy that the tenant carries on to, okay? Now, if you have a pool or not a pool, those are things that you're going to arbitrarily decide in the lease who takes care of what, okay? Um, But those are some of the pitfalls I would warn the buyer that you have to make sure, even though you, it's your house, you still have to treat the tenant fairer.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, Because you are going from basically being a buyer to a landlord. Yeah, like that. Overnight.
1: Yeah, and a really, quite honestly, man, a really good real estate agent should make that seamless, that transaction seamless. It's all about, like you said, education. Educating the buyer, educating the seller. We're trying to make this a win-win situation. We don't want to make it a win-lose. Real estate agents don't want to get in win-lose. They want to get in win-win real, est- you know, real estate because it's best for all parties involved. We don't want to have any types of lawsuits. We don't want to have any type of anger. We definitely don't want any remorse. We want to make sure that everybody is on the same page. We're all rowing the boat the same way. Love that. I
0: love that. Um, so besides renting back, we have on here, which we're seeing a lot and I've done a lot of and you've done a lot of in the last six to nine months, new builds.
1: Yeah. So one thing neat about new builds is if you're working with your seller, let's say you're the real estate agent and you're working with your seller and your seller says, hey, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? There's nothing out there for me. You're absolutely correct. Although there is things out there. There are things like new build construction. So you want to take your seller and expose them to four, five, six, seven new build sites so they can kind of get a feel and a flavor of the different types of builders and what they can get. Then create your seller's contract in such a manner that they can, like we talked before, rent back. Or what you might find is you may find that a builder builds a spec home, and spec is short for speculation. So the builder is putting a certain type of home out there. They're maybe three or four months away from completing it, but it's going to look very similar to the model that's up there. The, The seller then can go, hmm, this would be a nice house. I could live here. You go into contract on that house, and then you start selling your house, and you have the stipulation that, when my new construction is done, we'll close. So new builds are a great way to go. Now I've also heard people that are willing to put their holdings, okay, their personal properties into storage and go on a vacation for a month or two months. Okay. You'll find that 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 works well for people who are financially seasoned. They'll be more than happy to wait that two or three months. They'll go maybe back to see their kids or their parents, depending on their age. And they'll vacation, if you will, get the house sold. Everything's in storage. The new construction is done. Come back, get everything loaded up, and move into our new home. Now again, a really good real estate agent should be able to coordinate that whole thing and make the move seamless for the seller who becomes the new buyer. So new construction is great. They've got some fantastic loan uh, programs where they'll give you money for closing cost credits. The one thing we gotta be careful of is be, currently we have lumber rises. So when you contract with a new build, what you may find is you're gonna have to sign an addendum that says we may have to raise the base price of the house because by the time we buy the lumber to build the house, the price of lumber has gone up three or 4%. So you know, just be aware of that when you're talking with um, the sellers about building. And the timelines can vary. The timelines can definitely vary. Now we went
0: from six month builds six months ago to now 10 month, 12 month builds. Right. Not just because of the shortage of lumber and supplies, you know, and, and as silly as it sounds like get, getting toilets. Yeah. You know, You know, if, there are, if the, the parts of the toilets or the parts in the cabinetry are coming from overseas, they're getting delayed at dockyards because dockyards have been shut down or slowed down because of, the, you know, the coronavirus. Um, but also, we've seen and heard that if somebody on the job site, let's say for instance a drywaller or an electrician, contracts COVID, they shut the site down. Yep. You know, they put that entire site in quarantine for fourteen days until we've got a green light and there's you know a negative test, and then they open the site back up again. When you've got a site with a thousand contractors working on it in all different areas, that puts a real you know. Hitching the giddy up of the building of new
1: homes. Yeah, absolutely. So there's there's new addendums coming out because of where we're at in the in the world right now. So we as real estate agents need to be abreast of that. We need to be smart when we're we're talking with our sellers and or our buyers. You know, they're our sellers, but they're also our buyers because they're buying a new a new home, right? So it's really important. And one of the other things that. Um, that I've been starting to see is that the real estate agents have been finding interim housing for their sellers in like casitas or secondary homes or duplexes. So they're able to store their furnishings, move into like an Airbnb, but more for like a month or two months or three months. Mm -hmm. And so real estate agents that are, are in the know can help you do that too. So it doesn't necessarily mean you have to rent back your house. You maybe sell your house, you take your cash, you put it in a bank, you put your your you know a lot of your furnishings in storage and then you maybe stay one or two or three months in a Airbnb property. So a good real estate agent will be able to construct that for you and get you out there, okay? It's a strategy. It's yes. not it's not just a
0: a document and let's put a sign in the yard. We're yeah. looking at 10 month, 12 month planning, Yes, you know, getting the battle map out, this is how we're going to do this, this is the timeline, and you know, you and I do that very well, Um, that's how we run our business, and that's how we, you know, we project that through to our our clients too. You know,
1: we're in Tucson, Matt, and we, you and I both know, we're connected with over 4,000 agents throughout the United States that are great agents, so if you're listening to this podcast and you're, you know, not in Tucson, you can get in touch with us, and we'll definitely appoint you to an agent that can do exactly what we're talking to you about is getting your battle plan for selling your house laid out. Because to build a great business, to build a great activity, you got to have a plan, right? Yeah. You, what do they say? If you don't have a direction to go, you'll end up anywhere good real estate agent will get you where you want to go. So man, I want to talk to you. You've done a lot of work recently with out-of-state relocations. Yeah. You know, so how does that affect, you know, you know, if I sell, where do I go? So In the
0: last couple of months, you're absolutely right, we have seen a a large transition of people coming into Arizona from out of state or even out of city, you know, people moving from Phoenix down to Tucson. Uh, We've seen folks moving from Tucson up to Phoenix because of work. Um, I've had the privilege in the last couple of months to work with a lot of people moving from out of state to to Arizona. Uh Um, The reason why... Well, let's talk about the reasoning. The reasoning why... Is because the world has changed. Yeah. In the last eighteen months, I've in the last four months, I've had buyers moving to Arizona who have their jobs have made them virtual. They've mm-hmm. come from California, which isn't a jo- isn't a lie. People know that Californians are coming to Arizona, but their their job has led them to be virtual. So why are they paying four thousand dollars a month in rent? or as a mortgage for a three-bedroom, two-bath in, you know, townhome in Irvine, California, when for that amount of money, they could, in fact, they could get a three-bedroom, two-bath single-story for way less in Arizona. And all they still have to do is just you know, log on in the morning and go to work. They don't need to be in that area anymore. So we're seeing a lot of people moving around the nation, moving around the country, because they're not, again, not tied to a central location for their job. Their jobs have gone virtual. So in that aspect, like you said, people moving from out of state to Arizona, they are they're actually doing what we talked about in our last episode. They're pulling the equity out of their homes, maybe two hundred thousand or three hundred thousand dollars out of the property of their home, selling their putting their home on the market, and they're actually buying properties here in Tucson cash. Um, you know, which is great for the seller. It makes things a little easier. There's no lending or financing or anything involved. And it can generally lead to a quicker sale too, which is nice. But moving out of state, you know, it's, I have some numbers here, which are really interesting. You know, uh, millennials, ages from 25 to 35, the destinations they are moving to LA, number one. Number two is New York City. And this is data from January of this year. Number three is San Francisco. Las Vegas is number four. And Portland, Oregon is number five. So people are gravitating to those cities, which kind of makes you think they don't want to get out of the cities. But they, again, these are 25 to 35-year-olds, you know, up-and-coming CEOs, stuff like that. They're moving to these bigger areas. Across all age groups, so uh, then again, number LA is number one. People are looking to move to Los Angeles. Number two is Phoenix, okay? And we know that Phoenix brings warm weather good golf and a lot of the overspill from phoenix comes down to tucson too so we're we're up there as well number three is chicago number four is las vegas and atlanta number five is sacramento so a lot of people moving around the country but what what do they if i sell where do i go again like you talked about we have new builds here which they can buy um the one thing we're going to touch on also is shadow sellers, and we'll get to that here in a minute. What are those? You know, how, Where do I buy that? How do I buy that? So a lot of people moving out of state. It does take the part of two great agents in constant communication across cities and across states. So if you're selling your home in Irvine, California with a great friend of ours, Robert Mack. Yep. It, it takes communication with Robert and his team on a daily, weekly basis. Where are they in their process? Where are they here in Tucson with the buying process? You know, you've got two plates spinning in two states now, but we've got to make sure those plates are on the right frequency and are you know, re, you know, revolving at the same time. So when it all comes together, so it takes it takes an entire village to move one person from state to state. You know, and that's again, it boils down to having the great connections in Tom Ferry, the great connections through Keller Williams. You know, we love to associate ourselves with great agents who think and act like we do, yeah,
1: like professionals. You know, it's interesting. You talk about out-of-state relocation; that that leads me into the 55 and above communities. Obviously, in your Tucson, bread and butter, right? My bread and butter, yeah. So obviously, we're in Tucson, Arizona. It's a destination city, and people are coming to Tucson at about. 200 people a month are moving into Tucson that are relocating from a different different state. So if you start thinking about what is a 55 and above community? What? How can it help me if I sell? Where am I going to go? So our podcasts obviously reach out outside of Tucson. So let's say you're in Chicago, one of those cities, and you decided, you know, I just can't deal with the weather. I can't deal with the wind. I, I just want to get someplace. Can't deal warm. with the bears
0: never winning a yeah, game. Yeah, with the
1: bears never <laughs> winning a game. I hear you. Um, I want to move someplace warm. Arizona sounds like a nice place, right? So if you're thinking about selling your home, where could you go? You can go to these 55 and above communities. And you know, one of the interesting thing is a lot of people think that people move into the 55 and above communities and that's it. They stay there. Do you know the average lifespan of a ownership in your first home in a 55 and above community is three and a half years? After three and a half years, they've got the lifestyle. They understand it. Now they want to build a different home. And that's the home that they end up staying in. In the same community. In the same community. Interesting. Three and a half years. So there's big turnover in these 55 and above communities. So if you're selling your home outside a, a, in a different state and you want to move to an area, and I'm going to say Arizona because we know it, but you can move to Florida. You can move to Texas. I mean, Texas, how fast is Texas growing, yeah, right? absolutely. Um, you want to check out these 55 and above communities. And also, you don't necessarily need to be 55 years of age. You can be like 40 and move in there. You just can't have any children that are under 18 in that development. Okay. But it allows the potential for somebody who's selling their house outside of a retirement community, to move into a t- retirement community. Although we don't just have old people here in Arizona, we do have young people mm-hmm. who are getting up in age and the kids have left and they're like, well, if I sell my home, where can I go? Have you checked out the 55 and above active adult communities? Sometimes people are just totally unaware of that. So again, get with the real estate agent, whether you get with us or anybody else that we can help you with. Um, allow us to show you that avenue to move into, to get your home sold. So just broadening your your thought and your concept here, okay? Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's also the talk, Matt, of, well, this agent found me a house that wasn't on the market. Talk to me about that.
0: So we touched on this, and I mentioned the term shadow sellers, or, yeah. or off-market properties. Um, In the broad sense of things, what does that mean? It means it's not a home that's listed in MLS, okay? It's not in the multiple listing service, which then feeds through to, you know, the other websites, Zillow's and stuff like that, okay? These could be for sale by owners. You know, a for sale by owner is a home owner that doesn't... um, need or want at that time the use of a realtor to sell their home they stick a sign in the yard they put a price on the sign and you drive by and if it's something you're looking for you knock on the door and you know you buy it okay they're not using the um they're not using a realtor to sell their home we look at for sale by owners i look at for sale by owners you do we call them you call them great agents will look at for sale by owners why because why not Why would you eliminate a for sale by owner? They want to sell their home. Um, They're opening their home up to be purchased. Why wouldn't you look at them? Some agents don't want to deal with for sale by owners because they feel that if they're not willing to use an agent to list their home, why should they then work with them to sell their home? Well, that's just, in my opinion, idiocracy, because at the end of the day, that may be the hidden gem for your buyer. It, it comes down to having a good, clear conversation with that for sale by owner upfront. Of, you know, are you willing to work with an agent like me if I bring you the buyer? Nine times out of ten, they'll say, "Why wouldn't they say yes?" They will say yes. It also may come down to a little bit of coaching from the realtor to assist the for sale by owner with the paperwork and getting through it. But that's what we mean by shadow buy, uh, shadow sellers, for sale by owners that you won't see in your MLS. Also off-market properties are you know corporate owned or non-owner occupied properties these are properties that somebody has bought as a secondary property it may be in the name of a trust they may use it as a rental they may use it as a uh, an income property an Airbnb something like that that they're not thinking of selling they have no intention of selling but we've seen that Airbnbs and vacation rentals have been hit hard in the last 12 months. Yes, they have. People are leaning towards going to a hotel versus an Airbnb. Why? Because a hotel like your Hyatt's and your your Ritz-Carlton's and stuff like that, they have a certain level of cleanliness which they have to adhere to with each of the rooms. Yep. An Airbnb, the cleanliness is based upon the owner of the, the owner home, of all, yeah. and you can't, there's no comeback on that. Yeah. So we've seen that Airbnb and vacation rentals have had a dip in their um, in their scheduling. So we reach out to non-owner occupiers of, have you thought about selling your house? Your house is worth X. I've got a buyer looking to buy for X. Have you thought about selling? So we reach out to those people, and that's what shadow sellers are. They're people that have not thought about listing their home, but could be enticed to sell it if the paperwork and the numbers are put in front of them.
1: Yeah, and I think real good real estate agents, whether they're here in Tucson, Arizona, or they're anywhere else in the United States, those types of agents know each other, and we're connected with those types of agents. So if you, again, if you're hearing this podcast and you're not living in Tucson, Arizona, but you're thinking about, hey, this might work for me, give us a call talk to us, connect with us. We will connect you with those types of agents that have the skill level to be able to do that. So until next time, everyone, I want you to stay safe.
0: Thank you so much for tuning in to the Nitty Gritty podcast. If you have any questions about buying, selling, investing, or even getting your real estate license, please give us a call or reach out to us. Our info is in the description.